Brothers and sisters, so in this second Sunday of Lent, the reading is from the Transfiguration, and so there's lots of directions that we could go with this particular reading. And one of the aspects that always kind of jumped out at me is when Jesus takes Peter, James, and John up the mountain, and he's been talking to them and talking to them and talking to them about the coming of the kingdom of heaven. And he gets up the mountain and he's transfigured before them. Peter's first response is, let us build three tents here. One for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. It's almost as if Peter's saying, yes, we made it. This is it. And then our Lord kind of touches him and says, rise and do not be afraid. And then they start walking down the mountain. Don't tell the vision to anyone until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. And so the transfiguration really takes place to provide hope, to show what will in fact be once our Lord has gone through his passion, his death, and his resurrection. And as he's about to enter into his passion, his glory is manifest to these disciples, that they might persevere in that time of trial. We read this reading during this second week of Lent, sort of to provide us with hope that as we're preparing to celebrate Easter and we're going through this period of fasting, to give us hope and to point us to what the goal is. At the end of this season of Lent is the time in which we all renew our baptismal promises. We renew that day in which the Holy Spirit entered into our life for the first time. And each year we have an opportunity to subjectively enter into that experience again. To surrender our life to our Lord again. You know, last night there was that question about what's the difference between sort of in an evangelical church when somebody surrenders their life to the Lord and invites the Lord into their heart and the sacraments of baptism and confirmation. You know, in, in my response, I talked about this sort of subjective dimension of really accepting that and moving our will and opening our hearts and claiming it and the objective reality that happens when we receive the sacraments. For many of us who are cradle Catholics, we've experienced the objective reality and each year we have a chance to renew that, right? to subjectively take ownership of it, to claim it for ourselves. And sometimes that's the order. Other times the order is, that somebody subjectively claims it for themselves and then decides to be baptized, right? like Cornelius in the Acts of the Apostles. That's what we're getting ready for. 
But another dimension of the transfiguration that I think is more valuable to reflect on right now is what this moment was for Jesus. Because our Lord at this point in his public ministry had already decided to go to Jerusalem. He knows that he's going to give his life up. He knows that he's going to go through this trial. And before he goes through this trial, he once again hears the Father's voice saying, this is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. He once again hears the Father's voice. The first time he heard the Father's voice was at his baptism. This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. And then he goes out into the desert to be tempted. And three times he's tempted. Each time he's tempted, he's tempted against his identity. Because the evil one goes to him and he says, If you are the Son of God, then turn these stones into bread. If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from the parapet of the temple. If you bow down and worship me, I'll give you all of this and more. He's tempted against his identity. And our Lord doesn't fail. He remains steadfast. Because he knows who he is. In the midst of that trial, if you are my beloved Son... If you are the Son of God, turn these stones into bread. He doesn't need to because he knows he is the Son of God. There's no doubt in him of the Father's love for him. Because he first heard those words at his baptism, and then he's able to withstand that temptation. Once when I was in Rome, I was meditating on that scene of our Lord on the parapet of the temple. I was standing there next to Jesus in my imagination, and the devil says, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, and he will send his angels to catch you. And neither Jesus nor I jumped for two totally different reasons. Our Lord doesn't jump because he knows the Father will catch him. He doesn't need to test that. At the time, I didn't jump in my imagination because I wasn't quite sure if our Lord was going to catch me. And I wasn't quite sure about making that act of faith. And over time, that conversion takes place. Some of you might not be sure you want to go all in. And so if there is that doubt or that hesitation, the place to go is, you are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. That's how our Lord looks at you. It's what our Lord wants to say to you. You are my beloved daughter in whom I am well pleased. It's knowing who we are in Christ that enables us to endure all temptations. And just the same, it's knowing who we are in Christ that will enable you to endure those temptations and trials that you face in your married life in the future. And I've truly come to believe that the greatest indicator of a couple that will stay together in their marriage is their conversion. It's how rooted they are in our Lord, how much they know our Lord, how much they've surrendered their life to our Lord. 
probably more fundamental than many of the skills that we learned this week, this weekend. Those skills are all important, knowing how to communicate well, having a plan for discernment and making decisions, being focused on unity within our marriages, understanding and following morality when it comes to marital intimacy. But all of that sits on the foundation of our relationship with our Lord, of knowing who we are in Him. It's the same as our Lord's life. He gives His life for the church. He sacrifices Himself on the cross. It all sits on the foundation of knowing who He is in the Father. It flows from His identity as the beloved Son of the Father. And so my prayer for each of you as we leave this Engaged Encounter weekend is that you truly can see yourself as our Lord sees you. That you can be confident in the words our Lord speaks about you. That you have a sense of belonging to him. Because it's from there that comes our peace and our strength and our security, the ability to endure trials, the perseverance to make those decisions to love in the midst of conflict or disappointment or disillusionment. It's from there that comes our joy. And we do live in a world that's starved for married couples and families that witness true joy, true happiness, true peace in their lives. And so we pray that our Lord continue to bless you, that your hearts be open to the gifts that he wants to continue to give you, And that you all will be a light that shines in the darkness of the culture in which we live.